title of today's sermon is The Sin of Two Kings. If you would, turn into, in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 15. I'm going to compare that, which uh, this is a story about Saul. We're going to compare Saul and King David today. Both of them had committed sin, and both of them were confronted with their sin. And they both said, I have sinned. But in the end, two very different outcomes. So as you turned to 1 Samuel 15, would you please stand for the reading of God's word? We're going to start at verse 12, and we're going to read down to verse 31. And the word of God reads this way. Early in the morning, Samuel got up to confront Saul. But it was reported to Samuel. Saul went to Carmel, where he set up a monument for himself. Then he turned around and went down to Gilgal. When Samuel came to him, Saul said, May the Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. Samuel replied, Then what is this sound of sheep, goats, and cattle I hear? Saul answered, The troops brought them from the Amalekites and spared the best sheep, goats, and cattle in order to offer a sacrifice to the Lord your God. But the rest we destroyed. Stop, exclaimed Samuel. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, he replied. Samuel continued, although you once considered yourself unimportant, haven't you become the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel and then sent you on a mission and said, go and completely destroy the sinful Amalekites. Fight against them until you have annihilated them. So why didn't you obey the Lord? Why did you rush on the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? But I did obey the Lord, Saul answered. I went on the mission the Lord gave me. I brought back King Agag of uh, 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 Emelech, and I completely destroyed the Amalekites, and the troops took sheep, goats, and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was set apart for destruction to sacrifice to the Lord your God at Gilgal. Then Samuel said, Does the Lord take pleasure and burnt offerings and sacrifice as much as in obeying the Lord? Look, to obey is better than sacrifice. To pay attention is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and defiance is like wickedness and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you. As king, Saul answered Samuel, I have sinned. I have transgressed the Lord's command in your word. Because I was afraid of the people, I obeyed them. Now, therefore, 
please forgive my sin and return with me so I can worship the Lord. Samuel replied to Saul, I will not return with you because you rejected the word of the Lord. The Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. When Samuel turned to go, Saul grabbed the corner of his robe and tore it. Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingship of Israel away from you today and has given it to your neighbor who is better than you. Furthermore, the eternal one of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he is not a man who changes his mind. Saul said, I have sinned. Please honor me now before the elders of my people and before Israel. Come back with me so I can bow and worship the Lord your God. Then Samuel went back following Saul, and Saul bowed down to the Lord. Mm. You may be seated. So Saul says here, I have sinned. One of the things that we can identify with is that statement. We all have sinned. Thank God that we are sinners saved by grace, but sinners nonetheless. There is no man who does not sin, the Bible tells us. They have all gone astray. They are all alike corrupt. There is none that does good. No, no one. Psalm 14.3 tells us that. Sin is a failure to conform to the moral law of God, an act, attitude, or nature. And sin has an effect. The depth of violation of sin to a holy God, sometimes because we are sinners, we don't really think about the holiness of God and what it means to violate his moral law. Sin displeases God. And for the believer, it disrupts fellowship with God. More than anything else, that must be our concern. Anything that would disrupt our fellowship with Almighty God, it robs us of joy. It robs us of peace. It robs us of feeling that depth of intimacy with the one we say we love. In our text, Saul sins and he admits it. Saul was told by God through the prophet Samuel, go and annihilate the Amalekites. Kill everyone, including all the livestock. And we hear Saul say, I've obeyed, but partial obedience is disobedience. We sin when we only partially obey. If God calls us to do something and he lays out what he calls us to do, we are to do it in its fullness. 
And even though Saul admits that he is wrong, that does not necessarily constitute repentance. There must be a godly sorrow that leads us to change our minds over our actions or our attitudes that have violated God. We hear Saul says, I have sinned. But then he says, because. As soon as you hear that because, it's a clue that there is something going on in his heart to justify what he's done. Because I was afraid of the people. So, in, in other words, in this instance, what he is saying is, um, I'm not the only guilty party, number one. Um, they're, they're guilty as well. And I would have done exactly what you said, but because of the way they were responding to the situation, this is why I acted the way that I did. We all have a tendency when we sin, especially as believers, to justify why we're doing what we're doing. We, we make excuses for our sin, and often um, what we would do is, is compare it to something that's worse, worse and say, well, it's not as bad as this, or it's not as bad as what other people are doing, or I'm doing this so I don't go even further. That's... Um, not a repented heart. If we know that sin violates God's moral law, and we have all that are believers felt an intimacy that we have with God, we've also all sinned and felt where that lack of intimacy has come in. That should be something that each one of us wants to avoid at all costs. And when it does happen, we want that closeness, that intimacy, that restoration to be as quick as possible. There can't be a, we did this, I did this, this happened, I went there, because. That's not the way we come to God with our failures. It goes on to say that Saul wanted the appearance that everything was okay. That's one of the things that we do also. We want to hide what's going on, although it's naked before God. But for the sake of the people, it needs to look okay. We can tell by this text that Saul was much more concerned with damage control and how he looked over and above uh, his violation to God. He wanted to save face, so to speak. It says in verse 30, Saul said, I have sinned 
And then his next sentence is, please honor me now before the elders of my people and before Israel. Come back with me so that I can bow and worship to the Lord your God. And then Samuel went back following Saul, and Saul bowed down to the Lord. One of the things that we can see here is there was a lack of fear for the Almighty God. He, he wanted Samuel to come back with him so that when he went to worship in front of the people, it would look like everything was okay. He was just told the kingdom is going to be ripped out of your hands. And he wanted the temporary situation in front of him to go well. We, we so often sin for the temporary satisfaction that it brings. And this text is so clear that he was not concerned with the way God felt about what he did. But it was all of these external things that he was concerned about. Wow. We also see by, Sam, by Saul's actions after this event, that he just started spiraling and moving further and further away from God. God says to him, you are rejected and it's going to be given to your neighbor who's better than you. It became very apparent to Saul that that person was David. And what did he try to do to David? He tried to kill David on multiple occasions. God's anointed. It says, when Samuel turned to go, Saul grabbed the corner of his robe and it, it, and it tore. Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingship of Israel away from you today and has given it to your neighbor who is better than you. Furthermore, the eternal one of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he's not a man who changes is mine. Hearing that, he still tried to take matters into his own hand to try to change what was already established in heaven and from the mouth of God. How often do we try and change circumstances and situations and don't even regard what God's will is in this situation. So this is a king who has admitted, I've sinned. And again, us admitting when we're wrong, it's important, but it does not necessarily lead to repentance. So we can contrast this story with the sin of David. And, and the crazy part about it is the things David did were such 
on another level. He, he, he took another man's wife. Not any man, but one of his soldiers' wife. David had multiple wives. This guy had one. He took his wife and then tried to hide his sin, and he kills the man. Nathan the prophet tells David a parable to let David know your sin is exposed. And he tells a story about a guy who had one little ewe lamb, and it was like a pet to him, and how he nourished and loved that lamb. And there was someone else who had flocks. And when someone came to eat, he took his neighbor's one lamb and prepared it for the one that was visiting. And David was outraged. <laughs> it's amazing how we hear the sins of others and we're outraged. Nathan says to him, in 2 Samuel, starting at verse, in 2 Samuel 12, starting at verse 7, Nathan replied to David, you are that man. This is what the Lord God of Israel says, I anointed you king over Israel and rescued you from Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. And I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that were not enough, I would have given you even more. Why then have you despised the Lord's command by doing what I consider evil? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife as your own wife, you murdered him with an Ammonite sword. Now, therefore, I, now, therefore, the sword will never leave your house because you despise me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own wife. This is what the Lord says I am going to bring disaster on you from your own family. I will take your wives. And give them to another before your very eyes, and he will sleep with them in broad daylight. You acted in secret, but I will do this before all Israel and in broad daylight. David responded to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan didn't reply to David, and the Lord has taken away your sin. You will not die. However, because you treated the Lord with such contempt in this matter, the son born to you will die. And Nathan went home. Wow. One of the things that we see here in this story is sin affects others. We, we don't sin in a vacuum. Um, our sin obviously 
affects our relationship with God, our intimacy with God when we are his people, but it also affects those around us. David here responds to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. What was missing in David's statement, that Saul's statement um, had in it was, I have sinned against the Lord because... David didn't use any excuse why he did what he did. He just said, I've sinned before the Lord. David acknowledged what he did. David took full responsibility for what he did. He um, embraced God's will over his desire. When, when we have genuine repentance, even our, even our reputation we leave in God's hands. Whatever God says is going to be the consequence of our actions, we embrace it because we know we deserve even worse. If he chooses to expose it, if he chooses to conceal it, that's that's for God to decide. And where we know, just like we knew in the acts that followed Saul, that his heart wasn't truly repented for David, we see his following acts that showed this was not something he just spoke out of his mouth, but was deep in his heart. Because he even made his sin public. He's the one who wrote Psalm 51. It was written by David. The Psalms in this Psalm were sent to the choir director. So in other words, as David was exposed in this conversation between him and the prophet, and all that transpired behind it, the child dying and those other things that were going to come, at some point, David turned it into a song. Matter of fact, part of Psalm 51 even says, so that other people would be instructed by what happened to me. See, you know, the thing about that is none of us um, are void of, of sin, and even as believers... We, we need to acknowledge that we say the wrong thing all the time. We think the wrong ways all the time. We have attitudes that aren't pleasing to God all the time. Many of our actions um, are wrong. And we need to acknowledge that, and we need to be in communion with God to the degree that all of these things are part of our life, and, and they're there, and part of the relationship with God is saying, these are my shortcomings. These are my failures. This is where I keep falling, God. I'm saying this to you as if you don't know, but I know you already know these things, God. So, so who is it for man to know these things? Why is it that I'm okay violating a Holy God, but if other people find out, 
I, that disturbs me more than the one that I sinned against, which is God. Psalm 51 starts off this way. It says, be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion, blot out my rebellion. We can all say that. Completely wash away my guilt. Cleanse me from my sin. For I am conscious of my rebellion. One of the things that we have to recognize is until we're conscious of our rebellion, until we recognize we sin against a holy God, we don't acknowledge that um, without knowing it. It has to be brought before us. It says, my, he says, and my sin is always before me. Against you and you alone, I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. So you are right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. Just to switch to another story, and it relates so much to this, there was a time when David counted the people. And he was told either there can be famine or there can be war or there could be a plague. And he said, I, I, I'm not going to put myself in the hands of men. I'll put myself in your merciful hands, God. Whatever you say. And, and when we read this, we can see that that is his heart. So you are right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when I was, when my mother conceived me. It's the sin nature. It's there. Surely you desire integrity in the inner self, and you teach me wisdom deep within. That comes from God. That's the grace of God. Purify me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Thank you, Lord. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. That is the grace of God when he allows us to go through what we go through when we sin against him. That's not something to be avoided. It's actually something to be embraced so that we would learn, so that we would grow, so our dependency would be on him. It's a grace. Turn your face away from my sins and blot out my guilt, Lord. Blot out my guilt. God, create in me a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. 
that can only be created by God, that is only a grace of God, as we are filled with his Holy Spirit and as we read his word, he teaches us these things. He does a cleansing. He renews us. He puts that steadfast spirit in us to be able to press on. Do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. What David is saying here is, above everything, God, I just want to be with you. I don't want to do anything that compromises my intimacy with you. That is going to be the thing that is going to keep us in that place. Restore the joy of your salvation to me and sustain me by giving me a willing spirit. You're not, if you're a believer, you're not going to lose your salvation because you make a mistake, but you can lose the joy of your salvation. When, when we sin and, 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 and we stay away from God, it, it affects us. It affects us psychologically. It can affect us physically. It can affect us emotionally. It affects us spiritually. It does not change our relationship with God. But it does something to our intimacy. You, you can have a relationship with your child and be at odds about something because of, of a violation that does not change that child from being your child and you being their parent. This, um, these statements reveal David's desire for intimacy with God and for to be restored in fellowship with him. It also shows us that things that are done in the dark come to light. It's funny, we come to God, and for us to be saved, we must have faith, and we must repent. For us to maintain a healthy relationship with God, it's a process of continually having faith as we are in his word and confession of sin and, and, and repentance and coming to God. God, this is who I am. You know me. You know my thoughts before they enter my mind. You know everything about me. There's no place I can go to leave your presence. But as Christians, we want to maintain a deep intimacy with God. Is being real with them, just like it is with each other. When we have all of these skeletons in our closets and things that we hide and lies and things that we don't confess, that does something in our interaction with each other. It's amazing, the one who knows all things, we figure, well, if I don't talk about it, he's just going to forget. Or, uh, you know, I, I could just act like it never happened and just move on from there. One of the things that disturbs me the most is when there's a deep violation and then, you know, there's personalities that you just kind of come and just treat it like nothing ever happened. We don't even have to deal with that. Let's just move on. That there would always be a, a, a wedge there, and, and that's not how we are to approach God. It's not a, a one-time act. It's, it's the way we interact with our God. 
We, we need to make sure that we're confessing and, and speaking to God often and, and quickly. Um, don't, don't let it go on and on and on. We need to do it often because we make a mistake often, like every day. Um, and then when that happens, don't, don't let it linger. We need to speak to him. I, I've heard it said that we want to we want a, a sin retail and then repent wholesale. In, in, in other words, we, we want um, our sins are like very individual and specific. But then at the end of the day, you know, we want to be covered and it's just like, God, forgive all my sins. You know my heart, Lord. You know my heart for you. No, no, no. Let's detail these things out. Just as detailed you were by committing them, let, let's be detailed about talking and working through those things. Because that's, that's when we come to a place where we recognize how we need him. See, when we do it like in a blanket statement, we feel like, hey, we kind of like, okay. Start naming those things out through the day what you did. One day. And you start recognizing, God, I'm wretched. God, I need you. I need to be close to you because, you know, the further you move away from someone, the easier it is to violate them. But, but when, I'm, when I'm close, when I recognize your presence is right there, when I'm doing whatever it is that I'm doing, when I said what I just said, when I thought what I just thought, you're right there. So if I can quickly, oh, I shouldn't have said that. God, help me. Help me with my, my mouth. Maybe if you do it quick enough, you can kind of say to the person, I shouldn't have said that. Our thoughts, right, the things that, that we ponder and, 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 and that are going in, in our minds, as soon as something goes there, that's not supposed to be there. God, help me with that. I don't know how that got there. Don't sit there pondering it. As we're having this conversation, it actually changes what ends up happening. And we're able actually to have assistance from God and work through those things. It is so important for us to have that ongoing communication with God and be specific about these things because actually repentance is even a grace from God. Uh, with certain things, he brings us through a process. Like, we, we don't always just admit it just like that. David, uh, it wasn't like this happened and then tomorrow um, Nathan came. No, David went through a process. And it, it, it tells us in, I want to say it's Psalm 32, about this process that he, he went through and all the things that affected him going through this process by God's grace, bringing him to the point where he recognized, lay it before me, be restored in relationship to me with the depth that you're used to having with me. Yearn for that. Desire that. Over and above our sinfulness. The 
the result of true repentance is intimacy with God, is restoration of joy and peace. It says in Psalms 32, how joyful is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How joyful is the person whom the Lord does not charge with iniquity in whose spirit is no deceit. You can come up, Heather, please. When I kept silent, my bones became brittle from my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was drained as in the summer's heat. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not conceal my iniquity. And I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is faithful pray to you immediately. When great floodwaters come, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with joyful shouts of deliverance. God says, I will instruct you and show you the way to go. With my eye on you, I will give you counsel. This is not something that is often talked about, but it needs to be so much of the life of the believer because it helps us to recognize our need for God in every part of our lives. There's an ongoing war between the spirit man and the flesh. And as long as we are encapsulated in this flesh, we are going to deal with this. What we think about it is important. How we address it matters. That we take it to the Lord and speak to him about our weaknesses. It's a very big difference between that and us that are filled with the Holy Spirit and those that are not. See, because the one that is filled with the Holy Spirit has the power to have victory in these things. The one that does not have the Holy Spirit is a slave to sin. They cannot win in mustering up their own strength, their own willpower, reading self-help books, uh, 10 steps where you could do better in this area. It's not going to work. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's only the strength of the Lord. It's only being in communion with him. It's only in our intimacy. It's only in our transparency that these things could be conquered. And just to know that we fall and get back up and fall and get back up and when it ain't one thing, it's another. God loves us. 
because of the precious blood of Jesus, we are justified, we are sanctified, we are called his holy priesthood. And in that condition, he uses his people for his glory. Hallelujah. So, so often we think, well, we'll get started in God when we get to this place. I, I remember thinking, by the time I get like 35, I'll have like my life like figured out. <laughs> wow. Still a hot mess. But God is so good. He makes sense out of the chaos. He, he uses us for his glory because the good that is in us is only from the Holy Spirit, is not within ourselves. There's a freedom, a freedom with being honest with God and him recognizing, just come to me, my child. David was a man after God's own heart. The one who took someone's wife and murdered him was God's man. Wow. We're God's people. He knows it all. All we got to do is keep coming to the Father. Help me, Lord. I need your grace in this area in my life, and I'm coming to you again, oh God. If earthly parents can say to their children, I don't care what you did, I love you, my child, always be honest and truthful with me. We'll work it out. How much more, God, that we can only work it out by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Let's stand and pray together, family. Father, we thank you. We thank you because as we've heard these two stories, Lord, we recognize no matter what the offense, oh God, no, I, no matter how many times it has taken place, oh God, that as your children we can come to you and say, here I am, God. Help me. Clean me, Lord. Use me, God. Change me. The word says there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. That we are conquerors, Lord that you've conquered death and the grave. You've conquered sin, Lord. And we are pleasing in your sight, O oh God. Let that truth so resonate in our hearts, Lord. Let us not love anything so much that we would keep from you because we don't want to bring it to you, O oh God. Help us even in those things that at times... 
We choose over you, Lord. Continue to change us and grow us, Lord. Continue to teach us to trust because this is really all about trust. As we trust that you are a loving God and that we're acceptable in your sight, oh God. Because we know everything that's going on. And you know even more. You know our sins we don't even recognize we do because we're just so used to committing them, Lord. And yet, we're yours. And yet, you love us. And yet, we're going to be with you for eternity in glory. We thank you that we have an advocate, a high priest, sitting at the right hand of the Father, speaking on our behalf. We thank you for the blood that covers our sins, that our relationship with you does not change. You have saved us for eternity, O oh God. Let these things sink so deep in our hearts, Lord, that we would have such a joy, such an excitement, Lord, knowing how much you love us. You've shown it, Lord, by what you've did to bring us into your family. Let us never let anything think that it can remove us from your love, Lord, because that thing does not exist. Let us walk out of here with such a confidence, such a boldness in approaching you, even with our failures and shortcomings, no matter how often they happen, Lord. And let us have such a hope that you're going to change us, that you're growing us, that you're going to use us for your glory. We thank you for that, Lord. Let us walk out of here so much more confident than we walked in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you, family.